Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. That it is a double-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow, soul from spirit, that it is inspired. It is a flame. Lord, I thank you that your word is good and it transforms our life when we submit to it. Now, Lord, I pray right now that you will anoint my words and help me to rightly divide your word. Lord, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. child that is in this building to the oldest. Let not one of us leave this place the same way we walked in. In the name of Jesus, I pray and submit these things to you. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. So be it. You may be seated. You may be seated. Man, I was walking and praying on the way up here. And uh, I was praying in my vehicle, you know. Um, Pastor Andy didn't ride with me today, so I was able to talk to God, and it was great. (laughs) No, but I was praying, and the Lord laid a couple on my heart, you know, and I just started praying for them. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to say to them? Like, why do you randomly put this couple on my heart? And and so I, the Lord put this verse out of Isaiah um, in my heart. And it just blessed my soul. Maybe it'll bless some of your souls, but it's do not be dismayed, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And man, I just started meditating on that. Because, you know, like right now in, in our society, it's really easy to get dismayed and rattled when when you're wrestling with, God, I gotta make bills. I also gotta buy groceries and you know, neither of them are as cheap as they were three years ago, you know, so what, what do we do? We got to trust in the Lord, you know, and it's easy to get dismayed. It's easy to get rattled, but he tells us, do not be dismayed. He tells us, do not be afraid, for I am your God, for I am with you. I will uphold you, and so I just started praying, and started praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, as I'm walking up here, the Lord said, get ready. His exact thought, the exact thought that went through my head is buckle up, buttercup. That's what went through my head. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm ready. I think I am. I'm going to keep getting ready. I want God to move. I want him to have his way. That means all of us, as we move forward, that, that means that we can't hold on to our preferences. They just have to be pliable at Jesus' feet. You know what? We might have to give up our own seat. I know, Jim, you're, you're the roughest guy here, and you're going to have a hard time. No, I'm just joking. That means we have to give up our preferences. We might have to, like, well, I don't want to go to a church that has two services. Well, don't go to two services. <laughs> just go to one. I know that's a preference thing, but God is going to grow. And and what I'm praying for is that the Lord gives us people who are far from Jesus. God sent his son to become like men so that men could become sons of God. And believe it or not, the church is not designed to reach church people. We're designed to show the love of God to people who are far from Jesus. And that's what I'm praying. That's what I'm praying. With that said, we are in the middle of a series called Church in Crisis. Praise God, it's not this church. 
But the American church is in crisis, and the first Corinthian church is in crisis. But the beautiful part about it is there's hope. Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against his church. So the enemy might come in, he might sucker punch us, he might, he might throw um, his best blows, he might pull out a weapon on us and stab us, he might cut part of us out, but the Bible also says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, which is kind of interesting. It doesn't say weapons won't be formed against you, though. And it also says, it doesn't say weapons won't be used against you. It says they won't prosper. So the way a weapon doesn't prosper, it means it's used, but it doesn't kill you. And the enemy's trying to kill the American church. Do you know it's because of the American church in the last century that the gospel has gotten all over the world? The gospel has grown more in the last century and reach more people in the last century than it has in every century leading up to the last century. And that I'm just going to show, share one denomination because I can't speak for all of them. But the Assemblies of God have, have reached over 100 million people. Over 100 million people in, in 100 years in the last century. That's more than every century leading up. Isn't that crazy? That's just one denomination. Imagine what God's doing through all of, you know, they say, this is, this is a staff from 15 years ago. And this has nothing to do with my message, but I'm excited. I'm going to share it anyways. That every day, every day in China, 30,000 people a day get saved. And they don't even have an assembly of God or anything. They're just house churches. That's crazy. God is growing his church in the gates of hell, but the enemy is trying to attack the church in the United States because we're a sending nation. We send out, we send out resources because the Lord's blessed us. We're blessed to be a blessing. We send out missionaries. We send out Bibles. We send, and the enemy doesn't like that. He wants to cripple us. He wants to make us apostate. And he wants to make us um, heretics to where we lose focus of the gospel. And that's kind of what's happening in 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church. But before we get into that, I want to share with you a dilemma. It's a golf dilemma. And it's a golf joke. Um, so, you guys thought you were going to get out of it. Oh, no. This is a, the, a dilemma. And for the sake of uh, names, I'm just going to use Larry and Jim. Because everyone... Because we, we have a Larry and Jim, and it's funny. So... Larry and Jim are competing for the top spot at their local golf course. And they're on the last hole. And whoever wins this hole gets their name on the wall and everything like that. So Larry walks up and he goes first and he hits the most beautiful drive right down the middle of a fairway. 250 yard drive right in the middle, right where you want it. I mean, it just lines them up perfectly with the tee uh, or the flag or whatever it's called, the green. Shows you how much I know about golf. Um, so lines them up perfectly with the green. And then Jim steps up and he hits and it just kind of goes off to the side and goes into the woods. Well, Larry and Jim are friends. And so, and good sports, you know, so Larry walks over there and he's trying to help Jim find his ball. And so he looks for like 10 to 15 minutes. And after 10 to 15 minutes, finally Jim is like, listen, Larry, just go and hit your, your ball. And um, if I, if I, I'll keep looking. If I find it, I'll, um, I'll, I'll holler. <clears throat> so um, Larry's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Larry went out there and he, he hit another beautiful shot. We're talking, it lands three foot from the hole. This is amazing. And he's like, I can't believe this. I'm about to be the top person. This is the best round of golf I've ever played. And then Jim yells, I found it. And he hits. And by golly, Jim's ball lands four inches from the hole. And so here's the dilemma. Does Larry take Jim's ball out of his pocket and confront that cheating fool? <laughs> or does he leave Jim's ball in his pocket and let it slide? 
Some of you guys will get that tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I listened to that joke probably 10 times, and I laugh equally every time. I'm like, gosh, that's so good. And yes, I'm going to also put some suspicions and rumors to rest. I am starting back up with Downy Paper Towels as our spokesperson, so... Brawny, Brawny, not Downy. Brawny. I was so excited. I was like, oh, it's flannel weather. Amy's like, till 10 a.m.? I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to be inside at that point. So we're, we're, we're going to pick up, and we're going to get through about 21 verses today. We're going to look at all of chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians and so let's just jump into it. I, I kind of broke it up into three sections to, to, to communicate what we're going to talk about. So it's going to be 1 through 5, 6 through 13, then 14 through 21. So it says, So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any other human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. Just because you have a clear conscience about something doesn't make it right either. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So verse 5 says, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring out our darkest secrets and to light. He will bring out our darkest secrets to light. Some translations say what happens in darkness will come to the light. And he will reveal our private motives. Your translation might say intentions of your heart then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. I once heard it said that, you know, you hear, you hear that old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but I heard that when you meet someone, you kind of write an essay about them in your head. You instantly just kind of, you have an opinion about them. And so I once heard it said is throw out the first draft, which is actually pretty good writing advice because whenever you write something you don't normally go with your first draft anyways because there's a bunch of errors in it you need to proofread it and the same is true with people is throw out your first draft you might have a when I first met Pastor Andy I got to be honest <laughs> I didn't like him <laughs> but it took me about three times of hanging out with him I was like I like this guy in fact, I might retire with him, and I, I might bring Amy with me. I don't know. But um, so in verse 6, dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been trying to say. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why do you boast as if it weren't a gift? You think you have already have everything you need. You think you're already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already. For, when we would, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade to, to be condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ has made us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. He's kind of being a little tongue-in-cheek with them right now. Because they're being full of pride, and they're not looking like the kingdom of God. And so you can't actually evaluate yourself when, when it comes to your own spiritual maturity. In fact, husbands, wives, 
you actually don't get to evaluate whether you're a good wife or a husband. Your, act, your spouse has a right to evaluate you, but you don't have a right to evaluate yourself. That's humbling. Because if you think you're, for instance, if I think I'm a great husband and Amy doesn't, whose opinion matters? Or vice versa. So the Corinthian church here is thinking, man, we're killing it. We are so awesome. We are so wise. Look how wise we are. Look how awesome we are. And Paul's like, you guys are fools, but not the good kind. He says, we are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with their own hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. Some translations say we pray for those who despitefully use us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. Verse 14, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. He's trying to get them to understand that he's about to say something very, very beautiful. But the reason why the apostles and faithful Christians are being ridiculed is because they look like Jesus. The reason why they're being treated with such contempt is because they look like Jesus. And he's trying to say, like, if you're not being treated with this contempt by a very pagan society, you probably don't look like Jesus. You're looking like the world. And he's warning them, don't look like the world. Someone needs to say that to, our, to the church in the United States. Quit looking like the world in an effort to be so politically correct, in an effort to be so welcoming to everyone, we've lost our ability to speak truth and love, and so suddenly we've compromised. And so instead of having hard conversations in the church today, we compromise and like, oh, just, that's not my place. If it's not the church's place to preach the gospel, no one will. No one will. He says, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit again, but I will come. And soon, if the Lord lets me, then I will find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. Verse 21 says, For the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? He is trying so hard. I know this is a heavy letter. It's probably the most disciplinary letter in the in the new testament but he's trying so hard to help the church look like jesus because that's what we're called to do the holy spirit creates in us the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and when we let the holy spirit let that reign in our life we look like jesus we look like Jesus, and if we're not looking like Jesus, how he lived, how he talked, how he walked, then what are we looking like? And, and, and for, in the Corinthians church case, they were looking like the world. They were looking like 
the pagan society. They were getting favor from, they weren't getting ridiculed. So I want to talk to you today about three things, and but the, the second two kind of tie back into this first one. So the, the title of my message is Close the Gap. And the gap is between who we are and who people think we are. Everyone has a gap like this. <laughs> Last week... I, w- I was looking at this section of scripture and I was like, Lord, help me explain it. And I-, I couldn't put my finger on how to explain this. That happens a lot, just FYI. I just, I ha- it forces me to pray a lot about my messages. And I just kept praying. And so finally, I was like, I'm not going to worry about it. God's got this. And, s- and Monday night, I went to a, uh, a service and the speaker used an illustration at the beginning of his message. And he talked about, our core and our image and the gap in between our core and our image. And it's, it's, it's just like it clicked. He said, that's what Paul was talking about. There's a, the, the church wanted to look good, but their core was rotten. God doesn't work on your image. God works on our core. And he wants to close the gap between who we are and what people think we are. And some of us, when we first got saved, that gap was huge. Some of us is very narrow. Like the Apostle Paul's gap in his life, his core looked so much like Jesus and his and his what people thought, his image looked so much like Jesus, he could literally say, follow me as I follow Christ. And what he was saying is, if you follow me, you're going to look like Jesus. Whoa. I don't know if I can say that confidently. Because I, my, my core is still a work in progress. I would say, like, you would look like Jesus if he had, like, a broken ankle. You know, like... But God's working on our core to close the gap. To close the gap. Some of us, the gap is huge. Some of us, the the gap is very narrow. But the goal is not to be two different people. And your core will always come out. It will always come out when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're irritated. Um, when you're tempted, your, your core is, is, is what comes out when someone sets you off or triggers you and your core will, you know, like when, you know, those moments when you see someone, they do something and you're like, where did that come from? That was their core because they, they were really good about having an image and they projected an image around. But the thing is with a facade it always cracks. So God wants our core and our image to be so close that, that people, you, you get what you see. And God is making our core look like Jesus. The apostles, they were under ridicule. They were under slander. They were, their core looked like Jesus. And that's, that's why he, he said right there at the beginning, he's like, dude, like, God judges the motives of our heart. And, and so get, get this. Get this. We're going to stand before God. This is why it's so important that our core and our image are close. That, that we let God close that gap. Because one day, we're going to all stand before God, whether you're a believer or not a believer. And he's going to not just judge what you did or said. He's going to judge why you did or said. So you might be outside in a rainstorm with the umbrella helping old ladies across the street, which everyone, that looks amazing. Wow, what a gentleman. What a nice young man. What, or what a nice young lady. Like everyone's thinking that. But if you're doing it with the wrong motivations, it's for nothing. Because God's going to judge your motives. Maybe you're looking like, maybe they'll tip me. You know, Instead of doing it out of just, I just want to serve them. 
Even in our walk with God, if you're getting up and reading the Bible out of obligation, God's going to judge why you're reading the Bible. He's going he's to look at the motives behind it. He's going to look at the why behind everything. That's why when we do things, we do it as unto the Lord. So if I serve my wife, yeah, is it for her? Yeah, but first it's for the Lord. If, 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 if I work, um, when, when I'm digging trenches, is, is it for, um, it's not for a paycheck, it's for the Lord, and I just happen to get paid for it. You know what I'm saying? It's for the Lord. God judges our motives behind. That's why it's so important to close the gap. We don't want to just look a certain way. We want to be a certain way. I had an English teacher once tell, tell us, he, he put it this way, character and reputation. Character is who you and God know you are. And quite frankly, God knows you better than you know yourself. Character is who God knows you are. Reputation is what other people think of you. Well, they have a good reputation, but they might be cheating on their wife or husband. You know what I'm saying? What happens in dark will come to the light. So we got to let God close that gap because it doesn't really matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. Some people just have a high opinion of themselves. And quite frankly, and some Christians, a lot of Christians who walk with Jesus, they have a very low opinion of themselves. Do you know what humility is? Some people are like meekness or, you know, no. Humility is defined as an honest opinion of yourself. This it is. It's not thinking too highly of yourself. It's not thinking too lowly of yourself. It's recognizing where you have strengths and recognizing where you have weaknesses. Don't speak down to yourself. Don't speak up to yourself. You know, like, it's an honest opinion. Whoa. <laughs> and we need to walk in humility. We need to have a, a, a humble opinion of ourselves. An honest opinion of ourselves. So, I'm going to give you two examples, personal examples of my core coming out. And when I say that I'm a work in progress, I'm a work in progress, like all of us. And I, I never want you guys to think that I have my stuff together because I need Jesus. And um, I love my children with all my heart. But yesterday, I love documentaries too. Like, I, I love documentaries, like, to a default. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, I think when you turn 35, you have a choice to get heavy into barbecue and smoking meat or getting into documentaries. And I don't have a smoker, so I got into documentaries. Um, I, I love them so much. And I was watching one about, I was watching one about 9-11. And, uh... And it was a National Geographic documentary. And it had, like, never-before-seen footage. It was on Disney+. Plus. It's so good. Go, go watch it. And I'm watching this, and it's, 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 like, six episodes. And it's stuff like, you know, when 9-11 when happened 22 years ago, I was in seventh grade. And I didn't fully understand the gravity of it. And then watching this, it made me angry as an American. I was, like, like living it for the first time almost as an adult. And I'm seeing all this stuff. I was just like, man... Just, it just made me angry and stuff, and I was, I was just invested in this documentary and watching it, and Sky was actually learning about 9-11 for the first time, really. Like, we talked about it, but we didn't really talk about it a lot to her, and so uh, it's kind of weird, though, to talk to people who weren't alive during 9-11. It makes me feel so old. Like, I work with, like, a 21-year-old that he's like, yeah, I wasn't even born. I'm like, reality, you're old. Like, it was... I was like, what, what's going on? You're like, you're, tw you're in your 20s and you weren't alive during 9-11? That's mind-blowing. Um, but I'm watching this, and Skye's watching it with me. And then, you know, we're about, she, I mean, in her defense, she sat through like two episodes. They're like about 40 minutes apiece. And then she was like, I'm going to go play. Peace out, Dad. I'm sad that that happened. I hope it doesn't happen again. That's what she told me, but she went and played. Well, about, I'm into the third episode. She walks up with her water bottle. She said, Dad, check this out. And I'm like zoned in. She's like, Dad, look. And she kept smacking her water bottle. And she's trying to, she's like, look, see, it's science. And, and what she was trying to show me is resonance. So when she held the bottle by the top and she smacked it, it resonated. And, went, and when she held it, 
She smacked it and didn't do anything. She, she thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Well, me being zoned in here, not into her, and like, she's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, Sky, I don't want to see it. I'm watching this. And she had this, I saw, you talk about the Holy Spirit checking you. I saw the wonder in her eyes go to hurt. Just, just, she was just so excited to show me this. And then she just instantly, like her eyes started to hold back tears. And I was like, oh, I did that. And it crushed me. So I turned the TV off and I went to follow her. I said, sis, sis. And she blocked the door. So I had to weasel my way in there. And I said, Scott, I am so sorry. Daddy was completely wrong. I do want to know all about this. Please tell me. And I, I, I said, please forgive me. Dad, I, I can't tell you how wrong I was. But all that kept after, you know, we made up and she gave me a hug and she showed me. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I sat in the room almost at the point of tears. And I just kept thinking, where did that come from? That was my core. My core came out. Do, do I want people to know that? <laughs> No, I didn't want to share it today. I would prefer you guys not know that. Sometimes I suck at being a dad. I, would, I want my image to be like, oh, he's such a great dad. He loves his children. And, and he, he would turn off the TV every single time for his children. 100% of the time. You know, he just prioritizes. That's what I want people to think. Like, what a wonderful family man. He just bends over backwards for his family. But that's not true. That's the image that I want. That's what I want you guys to think of me, for sure. But my core, sometimes I just want to watch a documentary and not be interrupted. Sometimes I don't want to watch Blue's Clues or Bluey or um, Peppa Pig <laughs> or any of the other stuff. And, but what Jesus is, is doing is, he's like, well, that's not what a servant does. So he's making me like Jesus. And then another example, just, I'm going to just rattle myself for a second. I, um, last night I was here working on some stuff and I thought on the way here, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go pray in the in the worship center where I get done just for a little bit. Well, Pastor Andy got, he was here too, and this thought went through my head. Um, I knew Pastor Andy was here, and I pray loud. Like, I, I, I walk and pray in here. And, I, and um, I pray loud, and this thought went through my head was, are you praying because Pastor Andy's here? So suddenly, I wasn't praying, yet I was about to, and I thought, huh, I have a choice now, the dilemma. Because if I'm praying with Pastor Andy in mind, all I'm going to do is lapse in here. Now, can you pray with people in the building? For sure. 100%. We should. But if we're doing it for a show, we're not doing it for God, and he's not going to meet with us. And I would rather not pray. And that's, that's what I decided. I was like, you know what? That thought, I'm like, I, now it's going to be in my head, so I'm just going to go home. The core, the image. By choosing to go home, I let the Holy Spirit change my core. If I would have said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and pray. I wouldn't have been praying for me or you guys, even though I might have been saying it. I wouldn't have been praying because Pastor Andy was on the other side of that wall. And I wanted him to hear me to pray. And I didn't want that, but that's what went through my head. So I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. I'm going to go eat dinner. Get up and pray in the morning when no one's around. Because the core and the image. Let the Lord close the gap. 
because there's a gap. So how, how do we let the, the Lord close this gap? We must humble ourselves and be real with ourselves and God. I'm going to give you a very practical tool. So just get your toolbox open or put it in your tool belt. This is a very practical tool to help you close the to help you let God close the gap between your image and your core. Act like Christ would act until the act is no longer an act. He will give you opportunities to look and act like Jesus. God will. It will be how you treat people, how you respond to people, what you, whether you choose to be angry or not, or whether you forgive someone, to love someone, etc. He's going to give you those opportunities in those moments, that WWJD bracelet that you used to have when you're in middle school, or some of you guys when you were like in your 40s. Um, you're going to remember, what would Jesus do? And then choose to do that. And at first, if that gap is really wide, it's going to seem very foreign to you to act that way. Well, that person just cussed me out, and I think I have some words that I would like to respond with. And you're going to be like, all right, have a good day. And walk away. Just walk away before you say, just ruin it. Before you ruin it, just walk away. You know, and people might flip you off in traffic, and what you're going to do is just leave both hands on a steering wheel and say, thank you, Jesus, that their hands work. Because you're going to have opportunities. God's going to give you opportunities, and it's going to seem very foreign to you at first to act like Jesus if the gap is wide. But the more you do it here pretty soon, the more you act like Jesus here pretty soon, when you act like the world, it'll seem foreign. You're going to be acting like Jesus so much, and you're going to be walking with Jesus so much that when you have an outburst of anger, you're going to be like, where did that come from? That's not who I am because the Holy, he's closing the gap. At first, when the, he starts working on us and, he's making, and, and we're choosing, I'm going to act like Jesus. Acting like the world seems natural and acting like Jesus seems foreign. But the more we choose to act like Jesus, act like Jesus would act until the act is no longer an act, the more we do it here pretty soon, acting like Jesus is normal. This is how, who we are. And it's no longer an act anymore. This is just who I am. And acting like the world is an act. It's weird when you do it. So the second and third point, we're going to do this really fast. Paul gets into this. The more you are like Jesus, the more you are treated like Jesus. I want you to understand this. He's addressing something in the church. Lord, what do you want me to do right now? No, we're going to keep going. He says this. He says, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. <laughs> you are honored, yet we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are beaten and we have no home. We work wearily with our own hands and we, to earn a living. We bless those. What he's saying to the church is, you look like the world. That's why you're not ridiculed like us. But, but the, what the church is saying to them is like, well, God must not be blessing you. Because look at us. Look, 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 at, look at our wisdom. Look at our wealth. Look at everything God's given us. Look how amazing we are. And Paul's saying, you are missing the point and you are so proud. Because the more you look like Jesus, the more you're treated like Jesus. Because they looked like Jesus, they were ridiculed. Because they looked like Jesus, they were cursed. Because they looked like Jesus, they were beaten. Because... What are you saying, Ryan? If I'm going to look like Jesus, does that mean like my life might get harder? Yeah. I am. The more I, the more I submit to the Holy Spirit's role in my life, does that mean people, I might lose friends? Yeah, probably. The more I, I but let me tell you, the blessings 
far outweigh the dilemma. Because we don't store up our treasures on earth anyways. You can look like the world and be blessed. Happens all the time and die lonely and go to hell. Or you can look like Jesus, love people, and be ridiculed, but have a treasure in heaven. But you can't have it both ways. God will bless you on earth. Don't get me wrong. He does. He does. I'm not saying that he won't. But a genuine, deep relationship with Jesus brings persecution. But it also brings more blessings. Now what's so interesting, though, about Christianity is there are three major world religions. They all worship one God. Some would argue they all worship the same God from different perspectives. They all claim, they all claim to worship the same God. The three major world religions, probably the biggest, are Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. What's interesting about it, though, about these three, is Judaism and Islam, their followers don't get persecuted. And here's the even harder part about it. Christianity is the only world religion where we are commanded commanded to bless those who curse us like you know like what islam teaches you know it you know like <laughs> teaches kill the infidel if they don't submit or convert like that's not blessing those who curse us <laughs> we're called to turn the other cheek jesus said if someone makes you walk a mile walk two and he and and, and back then in roman times a roman officer could make you just walk and carry all his stuff he's like dude just give him an extra mile so like we're called to love our enemy Pray for those who curse us. Bless those who curse us. We're, we're called to go out of our way to serve people who hate us. That's the gospel. People who hate us, we love. And yet we are persecuted. One of the only religions, if not the only religion, that's heavily persecuted from its inception. Islam, not persecuted. In fact, glorified. Judaism, not persecuted. But Christianity persecuted no one else is interesting this is a side note all the other world religions give jesus credit so maybe you're on the fence maybe you're watching the watch online they give jesus credit like islam says that he is a great prophet you should follow his teachings judaism points to jesus the whole old testament points to jesus taoism um hinduism they all they all give Jesus some sort of credit. Like he was a good teacher. He was a moral person. He was a prophet. But you know what's so interesting about Christianity is Jesus doesn't give anyone else credit. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So maybe, maybe just maybe, if they're pointing to Jesus and saying, hey, follow him. He's one of the ways to heaven. And Jesus is saying, no, I am the only way to heaven. What do you think truth is? Jesus is the only way. The gospel of Jesus is the power of God to set us free from sin, death, and the, and the grave. And that's why we're persecuted. The more we share it, the more we look like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus, the more we get persecuted. But the blessings far outweigh the persecution. The reward that we have, we truly believe we're going to live forever. The reward is so much greater in heaven than on earth. And Paul's saying, you guys got it so backwards. You're living for this earth. And you look wise to the earth, but you look like fools to God. When you live for this world, you look like a fool to God. The more we look like Jesus, the more we're treated like Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. Because we have the hope of God living in us. Let God cultivate Jesus in your core so society can see their hope in and through you. Jesus is the hope of the world. He's a hope for the church. He's a hope for every person on this earth and in this nation. And we got to let God cultivate Jesus in our core 
to close the gap so that they can see the hope of Jesus in us. And then the last thought I'm going to give you real fast. The more we are like Jesus, the more God's power is on display in us. If I were to ask anyone, what do you think of when I say God's power? Just anyone. Mercy? That's good. You say guns? Oh, kindness. I was like, oh, no. Guns? Well, praise God. I mean, we are American. Uh, Kindness. Sometimes I, I think like miracles and stuff like that, like healing. But, but that, that's amazing, don't get me wrong. But that's not the power that Paul's talking about, though. I think you guys were kind of more on key. Kindness and mercy. God's power is on display when we look like Jesus what did Paul say right here in verse 20? For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. You know how much power you have to have if someone slapped you in the face and you offered the other cheek? That's power. Weakness would say deck him back. You know how much power you have to have when someone wrongs you, cheats you, kicks you, and you say, man, I just, I'm praying for you and I forgive you. That's power. Weakness is holding a grudge. That's the world's way. God's power will be on display and it will seem foreign at first to what we should do. But then one day, acting like the world will seem foreign. God's power is forgiving someone who has truly wronged you. That's the power of God. Biting your tongue and choosing to turn the other cheek when you have every right to lash out. Some of us have a right to, but you choose not to. That's the power of God on display. Giving your neighbor groceries when you don't know how you're going to make it, but God told you to. That's the power of God on display. Humbling yourself and saying sorry and asking for forgiveness of someone who has wronged you. That's the power of God on display. Not grieving like the world grieves is the power of God on display. Letting go of your past to live in free for God is the power of God on display. The church in Corinth, they were sitting there and they were just talking a lot. They had these leaders in their church that were just a bunch of talk. But their life Their core did not look like their image. Their core did not look like their image. And and that was what Paul was saying. He said, I'm going to show up and we're going to see. Because we're not just a lot of talk here. If I say I follow Jesus and we love like Jesus and we we go out of our way to, to serve people like Jesus, we can say that. But then are we doing it? Are you showing up day in and day out? Are you loving? Are you, are you, when you have a text message in your head and you text that person, hey, I'm praying for you. Or, you know, like you're letting God use you. That's the power of God on display. Is it praying for people and they get healed? For sure. That's the power of God on display too. But the majority of the time, I would say 98% of the time, it's Simple acts of obedience when the Lord tells you to do something or you forgive someone. That's the power of God. When you, when you have every right not to forgive them. Well, God, they cheated me out of this or, or they ran off on me or whatever that is. And you let God transform you. That's the power of God on display. And people see that. People say, why, why are you acting like this? Like that person did that to you and you're, you're not even mad? Like, no, I didn't say I wasn't mad. I said I forgave them. That's power God on display. But the first place God's power is on display is in salvation. 
We're about to take communion as a church. And I, I just, I want to, us to remind, be reminded of this. This is the ultimate power of God on display. I got called the other, I, I got a text message the other day that said, you're insane. Because I get random text messages from people all the time. If I don't know your number, I'll, I'll say, who is this? And they're like, is this Carl or, or is this Linda or whatever it is? And they'll, I, I'm sure it's a scammer. And so what I've just started doing is I've started just copying out of the Bible app, Romans chapter 3, 21 <laughs> through 26. And I just respond with it. And because this is what it says. This is what it says. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For every one has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God and his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ when he has freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead, including them, and what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's the gospel that's the ultimate letting God close that gap. And so it looks crazy to this world, but the more we look like Jesus, this is the ultimate God's power on display when he sent his son. And every time I get a random text message, this is what I send back because you know what? They might be wanting to scam me for money, but I want to give them eternal life or at least the opportunity for it. And this guy said, you're crazy. I said, yeah, I am. But every time I get a random text message from someone who I think is a scammer, they need Jesus. And he said, I like you. What's your name? I said, I'm not giving you my name. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I will give you another name. His name's Jesus. This happens like three or four times a week. This is the power of God on display.